Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very Carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get going. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Feeling It. Uh, this week we saw Ghostbusters. Woo! Yes. So we're gonna first start off by introducing ourselves. Then we're gonna go in and talk about what piece of pop culture we're each feeling this week. Then we're going to talk about some news that we have. We're going to follow up on our conversation about Pokemon Go. We received some great comments from y'all about about the topic that we want to address. And then we're also going to briefly touch on the Emmy nominations that were just announced, who we are excited about and who we're not. Uh, Then we'll finally wrap up our conversation with our discussion about Ghostbusters. Um, Lucas, why don't you start off by introducing yourself? And this week... Um, let's all say what movie we would like a female reboot of if we could have our wildest dreams come true. Hi, I'm Lucas Wright, a designer from the Bay Area, and the movie that I would like to have an all-female reboot of, I think would be Jerry Maguire, because I would love to see somebody take on Tom Cruise's role. That's a good one. Lawson. Hi, I'm Lawson Soward, a art director in the Nashville, Tennessee area, and if I could see any movie rebooted with an all-female cast, it would be the 1972 comedy musical, 1776. Oh. All those found in fathers could be found in mothers. I'm just saying. (laughs) Brent. Uh, My name is Brent Bailey. I work in tech in Chicago, and I write about faith and pop culture online, and if I could see a female reboot of any series, I would want it to be The Lord of the Rings. I love those films, but there are almost no female characters. That would be rad. Great point. And I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager, also in Nashville, Tennessee. And I think mine would be Fight Club. Ooh. Lady Fight Club. It's mm. a needed, needed movie. <laughs> and it made for an excellent episode of 30 Rock. It sure did. Yep. Yeah. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Okay, so let's jump right in and talk about what each of us are feeling this week. Lucas, what are you feeling this week? Okay, I want to start off by saying how much I love a good miniseries. You get the benefit of long-form storytelling without any of the drawbacks of like an unknown commitment. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, th- I, think, I think we're living in peak TV right now. There's so many good things on TV right now, and it's great to hear about a show and think, okay, I only have to commit to 10 episodes of this. It's something I can enjoy without wondering if I'm uh, kind of jumping in for the next five years. So last week, HBO premiered its like summer, Sunday, Game of Thrones, time slot replacement thing, Um, The Night Of. It's an eight-part story of an American Pakistani college student who's charged with murder um, that that we as the audience are unsure that he committed. With all these like true crime stories that we've been fed over the last couple of years, like Serial and Making a Murderer and the plethora of O.J. Simpson stuff, um, here we're being shown a fictional story that we never for a second doubt could actually happen in real life. Um, have you guys have you guys seen this? I have not. No, but I'm excited to after hearing your description right now. It's I just heard the name. <laughs> yeah, anytime I watch an HBO show, it showed a little snippet of it at the, at the end. Yeah, and it. I didn't know if I was up for it, so sell me. 
Yeah, they've done a really good job of, of not kind of diving in too deep on, on what the story is. Um, really, the I mean, it's it's a it's a dark show, um, obviously, with when you get murder involved. But um, visually, it's dark because it's, it's all the, the first episode all takes place kind of, again, the night of this murder. Um, and this super just kind of like doe eyed, innocent looking kid gets arrested. And it's kind of his. His, his panic and his um, his kind of uncomfortableness in this situation. And um, it doesn't really – sorry, the, the show does a fantastic job of, of weaving in the criminal justice system, race, uh, economic status without feeling like they're trying to nail home a specific agenda. Um, they're just really cap- telling a captivating story. So, and it, it's beautiful too. It's shot like a BBC series, which is which it's based off of a BBC. It's oh. based off of actually a, a terrible BBC series, which doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is going off the first episode. This is this is much better than the the British uh, show. It's based off of. What was the British show? Do you know? Uh, the British show is called um, Criminal Justice. Okay. So if a BBC show is bad, do you think they gave it like a DDF or? i I yield the rest of my time (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah lucas i'm excited about this i i didn't realize it was a mini series and that does encourage me to get started on it because same thing with like when true detective came out i was so hesitant to start it because i'd heard about how dark and like dour it was yeah and you know that is I'm usually hesitant to start those kind of shows and, like, introduce them into my weekly life. Seriously. Um, but knowing that there is an end point to it does help. Like, knowing that that story isn't going to be with you for, like, years and years. <laughs> Boo. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this is, it's eight episodes and it's done. And they've, that's, that's, that's something that I'm really, really excited about. This is a, this is a show that, um, They've actually been working on for like the last five years. Um, they they actually filmed the pilot in 2012 with James Gandolfini. Um, this oh, was kind wow. of this was kind of his passion project, um, and then he died, and so they basically kind of had to rework it and put it on the shelf. And Robert Robert De Niro um, stepped in to take his place at one point, um, and then he had to he had to bow out of it. And so it's just been something that's. Uh, been, he had to do Dirty Grandpa, so I know, right? Conflicted, I know. <laughs> but so this has been brewing at HBO for for like the last five years, and so I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes. That's awesome, Sandra. You mentioning True Detective makes me think: Is this traditionally the the time slot when True Detective would come back? Did season two completely kill it? Um, oh yeah, yeah, this... yeah. This, this this is the time slot. Um... <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, they didn't. I mean, earn we haven't a third. heard anything about no. a season three. Yeah. They didn't earn a season three, so it hasn't. I, it hasn't been canceled because HBO doesn't say that kind of thing. Um, but it I just mean, hasn't they did come for back. looking. Oh, that's true. They did say that. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I guess I guess we're just kind of waiting now. It's it's hard to cancel a show when when you have a new cast every season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, looking. Like those cast members still have to like be like, are we coming back or no? Yeah. I need to figure it out. Yeah. But with True Detective, you know, they just had they would just have to find a new cast and they can put that off as long as they want. Man, I hate to get off on a tangent, but no, I it. waited for that show to be good every single week up until the final <laughs> week, and I was like, well, maybe it'll start getting good next week. Like, no, that was the finale. Oh, <laughs> it's not I, gonna happen. I that was the first time that I've ever hate watched a show. It was. I know. It was great. <laughs> uh, first season was so good. It, it was. was hard to hard to follow. 
But this sounds like great TV, a great program on HBO, not a season two True Detective on HBO. Absolutely. Yeah. If you if you need something to fill that uh, Sunday night time slot, um, I would definitely check this out. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Lucas. Um, I'm excited to give it a go. Brent, what are you feeling this week? Uh, great question. So for somebody who does not listen to a lot of podcasts, this is actually the second week in a row that I'm going to feature a podcast. I'm going to be talking about Code Switch on NPR. <laughs> wait, what? Uh, I would say... Oh, That's wait, what I'm feeling this week. Twinsies. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. All right. Uh, this is the first... Are we breaking um, the rule? Possibly many times on the podcast, I guess, when we're feeling the same week, same thing this week. I'm, yeah. yeah, do we have a I'm, rule against that? I don't... I, I'm going to give y'all a go. I think y'all can... <laughs> Thank as, you, Sandra. As the host this week, I'm making my ruling, and yeah. I'm saying that y'all can Sa- talk Sandra is the arbiter okay. of, of things that Okay, you I do kind of want to dig my so. heels in. <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly glad that Brent is bringing his insight into this, because I have a sneaking suspicion we are feeling it for similar reasons, and that he will say them more eloquently. So I'll just ride on your coattails, bud. <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> okay, I don't know about that. We'll find out. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely an NPR podcast fanboy. Um, you know, I listen to um, a lot of different NPR podcasts, and they all kind of point at each other. Um, so you've got Pop Culture Happy Hour um, that will advertise for Planet Money, and then Planet Money has been advertising for Road Switch. So a lot of these shows will just kind of point at each other. Um, so uh, I yeah, I've been uh, heard a lot of these voices for a while. Like I knew I've been reading and listening to Gene Denby for a long time. Um, but this is just an exceptional podcast all around. Um, the hosts kind of shift from episode to episode, uh, but mostly you're hearing a lot from Gene Denby and uh, Shireen Marisol Miraji. At least the episodes I've listened to, they've kind of been the featured hosts. Um, but if you don't know Code Switch, it is an NPR. I think it's, I don't know if it's a channel or a blog, but they cover issues of race and identity in the United States. And so this podcast is just an, an opportunity for them to cover a lot of these topics in a podcast format. And it just really consistently delivers. Um, I really appreciate this podcast because it features voices that I don't normally encounter in, uh, maybe other spaces in the, the kind of spaces where I, the pop culture I choose. Um, they consistently bring really honest, really, um, Sometimes, you know, really heartbreaking, gut-wrenching analysis. You know, one episode in particular that really highlighted for me, like, voices I'm not hearing is um, after uh, after Orlando happened, after that shooting, there was, um, you know, a lot of attention given to the fact that it was a gay nightclub, but also that there were a lot of people of color who were killed that night. And I remember thinking, like, okay, where can I go to hear this perspective while represented? And, of course, like, a couple days later, they had an episode specifically about how are LGBTQ people of color reacting to Orlando. I think they specifically interviewed a Muslim American Hispanic queer person on that episode. And it was just like, yes, this is a voice that needs to be heard in this moment. There are so many elements of identity wrapped into what he must be experiencing. And yeah, sorry, go ahead, Brent. So yeah, no, just like you're saying, I mean, all around, this is just, I feel like this podcast really covers um, voices that I need to be hearing a lot of. Um, They always do so in a compelling, like really well-produced kind of way. Um, And I'm completely on board. I think they also do a great job of giving um, a lot of variety in terms of, um, you know, the last few weeks since this podcast has been recording, a lot of the conversation about race in our country has been about violence and uh, gun violence and even, uh, you know, racially charged violence involving the police. Um, And so this show gives a lot of good attention to that, but they also give attention to other conversations about race, conversations like... Um, you know, representation in media, conversations about, they had an episode about Muhammad Ali and what he represented. 
Um, and so, uh, you know, if this were just a show about um, racial violence, that would be fine because that's a conversation we need to be having. But I like that this show seems to kind of be able to acknowledge and understand um, these are all important conversations. They're all completely connected. You know, matters of representation are tied to um, matters of identity are tied to how different races are perceived in this country, all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I've, uh, I've been, I haven't listened to every episode, but I've listened to most of them. Yeah. I will second absolutely everything that Brenda said. It has been, uh, really, really great to hear all the perspectives and all the voices, uh, that are on this podcast. Um, in particular, it's just been a place kind of, a, a steady ground in amidst of a bunch of storms lately. Um, with how much difficult stuff has been going on uh, in our country in particular, all over the world there's a lot of um, unrest and all this uh, stuff that makes the news a lot more difficult to listen to. Um, This has been a place where I feel like I've been able to go and listen to people talk, and it doesn't mean that there are answers, it doesn't mean that there are resolutions, but in moments where you don't know what to do, but you do know that you want to be listening, this is one of the places that has felt very important to listen. And I'm very glad that, um, as Brent said, that there are, you know, the hosts are people of color. There's shows like uh, Larry Wilmore's show and Trevor Noah's show on Comedy Central um, that have been able to speak into, like, the Black Lives Matter movement and into uh, police brutality and to all of the different things that have been going on particularly lately. Um, But I just... Code Switch takes a... Uh, more in depth. It's more than just kind of like we're going to say something up up top if something difficult happens. Uh, A lot of times when something difficult does happen, they face it head on and it's not fun to talk about and they acknowledge on the show that it's not fun to talk about, but they also acknowledge that it's something that needs to be talked about. Um, And aside from those conversations, I agree with you, Brad, they are having great conversations about other things, but the reason that I was feeling it this week and have been for the past couple weeks has been because um, of just how hard uh, it's been in uh, the U.S. for a couple weeks now. And um, hearing people uh, talk about it and talk about experts in the field and um, just having a place to go and listen has really been uh, really been helpful for me. And so I can't I can't recommend the Code Switch podcast enough. Yeah, you know, it's funny because a little while ago we talked about Invisibilia. Somebody highlighted that. And yeah. I talked about how much it bothers me, how in that show it feels like there's too much rapport and banter and how it kind of strikes me as almost like unprofessional. Uh, and how, yeah, in that show it kind of bothers me. Whereas in Code that Switch... That was me and now I can't stop being bothered by it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Mission accomplished. Uh, but yeah, whereas in Code Switch, like you get a lot of vulnerability and you get a lot of um, kind of breaking the fourth wall from the hosts, but it always strikes me as, as sort of refreshingly honest. And so like there was one episode recently, I think the, the newest episode is called Black and Blue. It's specifically about police officers of color and kind of the dynamics yeah. of like, what is it like to be a police officer who is black? And um, at one point, you know, they air part of an interview and afterwards Gene Denby comes on and he's like, you know, parts of that interview made me really uncomfortable and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to broadcast it or not. Um, So it's just kind of like it's nice to hear them actively processing this as they go and as they record, um, because obviously, like the perspective they're bringing to this conversation is going to be really well educated, but also intensely personal and emotional for them. So it's nice to hear them balance both of those elements in the podcast. And yeah, and I think it just it kind of helps a lot of us to to process through some of the stuff as well, especially those of us maybe who are not um, as directly connected to issues of race. 
that sounds like a great pick, guys. I definitely need to be checking that out. Um, thank you, both Lawson and Brent, for talking about such a cool <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, this week, what I'm feeling is a single and music video from the artist Francis and the Lights. It's a track called Friends. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. This music video has been bringing me so much joy. I have to admit, I don't know anything about Francis and the Lights other than this track. I've never heard of him before, never listened to his music. So this is my introduction, and it's a really great one. Have any of y'all seen the music video? I know Lawson has. Yep. <laughs> I have not. Definitely. Okay. It's Brent, so good. As soon as we finish recording, you have to pull up this music video because it's so simple and joyful and beautiful. I love it so much. First, let me play y'all a little piece of the song. Still dreaming of a glory. Something new. lovely i've been jamming to it like in my car just on repeat it just makes my day better um so as just a song i think it's really really rad but Mm -hmm. really what makes this track stand out to me is how great this music video is um this music video features um, Justin Vernon of Bon Iver and Kanye West along with the artist Francis and they're just all good friends just like appearing in this music video with this guy and doing a little bit of dancing a tiny little bit of lip syncing it's all done in one take and it's again i can't stress about how simple this music video is but that's what makes it so great to me um we watched it at a party the other night just on a big tv and some people weren't into it and some people were not, but I was just so engrossed. I feel like the majority of the party all turned around to be able to watch like, yes, this video. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's really, really great. I honestly, I don't have much else to say about it other than just that I love it. And every time I watch it, I'm so, so happy. Well, I will jump in. I love this video so much too. And this song um, does... It's has kind of the qualities of uh, a dreamy music bed, like you were saying. So it's so easy to put on mm-hmm. repeat all day or like for a whole drive. It just it does not get old to me in my ears. But um, Justin Vernon's vocals in this track are yeah. so good. Oh, yeah. We should mention that the artist is Francis and the Lights, but Justin Vernon does a large part of the vocals, it seems. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've read some places... Some people say that Kanye West does a little bit of the vocals. Other people don't say that. I don't know how true that is. I wouldn't be surprised if they were snuck in somewhere. But I also don't... I'm, I'm not claiming that that's fact. So yeah, just Con- be aware Kanye is not yeah, a I think huge... it's very possible that he was just like, a video about friends? You're my friends. I'll be in your video. Yeah. That's my Kanye impression, apparently. Um, it makes me... like. 
Justin Vernon has been on uh, he's been on a couple of people's uh, albums featured lately. Um, he did he's done this track. He recently did that James Blake track called Forest mm-hmm. Fires, um, or is it I Need a Forest Fire? But it's just making me so hungry for a new Bon Iver album. Like he's kind of doing his thing right now, where he's going around and being featured on a bunch of. Uh, other people's stuff or doing collaborations or producing. Uh, he actually produced an album for a band called The Staves that's really, really good. Um, yeah. It has a lot of his same sound. Uh, it's uh, three female vocalists. But um, but yeah, I'm just so happy to have another excuse to listen to Justin Vernon, especially a song that is this catchy and this, like, I love the message behind it. And I totally agree, Sandra. This minimal music video, one take, Get out of here. I mean, yeah, the whole, there's no edits is what I mean. It wasn't their first take. It, like, does that make sense? Like, they didn't shoot. One shot video. One, right, shot, one shot. Yeah, the performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, other, a few quick things I do want to say about this also is that um, the song was co-written and produced by some of the Vampire Weekend guys, so that's really cool. Oh. Yeah, and um, also, this is something else I'm reading, and I... I don't know this site, so I'm not, I don't know how accurate it is, but someone is saying that a little piece of this song was sampled on Summer Friends from Chance the Rapper. Um, I don't know if that sounds accurate to you. Oh, like the little, the little percussive beat that's like, maybe, I don't know. uh, I don't know Chance the Rapper very well. It sounds kind of similar. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's, it's really great. Y'all talking about Justin Vernon. So Barbara Streisand recently just put out a album of just duets of her with her duets of her and other people. Barbara Streisand? Yes. Wow. And so I want Justin Vernon to put out a duets album. I feel like... Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and she did a duet with with Justin Vernon. <laughs> no. That's why I was like, whoa. That I would can't. truly be incredible. But no, Seriously. like, I feel like he could put out such a rad duets album. Oh, so true. Like, oh, he yeah. writes a whole album and then just has all of his, like, billion famous friends join in on it with him. Oh, that would be so incredible. Can see the album mark now this two is, oak trees next to oh, each other sorry go ahead <laughs> um no I, I i would definitely if you guys haven't heard any of um francis and the lights other stuff he, he hasn't done a ton this is kind of this is definitely his first like big breakout thing um but i would definitely listen to his other stuff it's a lot of fun like this i'm actually going to see him and bonnie bear in october oh up here. so they're, they're jealous together. it's it's i'm really excited to see them work together on something which is really cool lucas if you had um like a track or two to recommend from him what would you say yeah so i i guess the, the big one that i would i would listen to is like a dream okay um it, it kind of has the same feel of um of friends gotcha. so it's and it's it's uh i think it's the yeah i think it's the only other one that he has like a music video okay for. will do I, i'm excited to hear more from him after this yeah yeah he's great all right are y'all ready to move on into news let's do it Y'all ready to go to the news section? <laughs> oh, seamless. Only because we are going to be talking about Pokemon Go. <laughs> okay, so last week we talked about uh, Pokemon Go. It had just come out like two days before. Um, so we had some quick initial thoughts to share about our use of the app. Now that it has taken over the country and we've all used it for about a week now, we have some more thoughts about the app that we want to just get off our chest, um, as well as some commentary from some of our listeners that we'd like to quickly address. So, y'all, how has been using the using the app, playing the game, 
interacting with people in the real world. Any quick thoughts? One thing that's becoming more and more apparent to me all the time, I'm really enjoying it. I'm up to level nine now. I've like been able to evolve a couple of Pokemon, which is really fun. <laughs> um, but Garrison Hartline uh, reached out to us on Twitter and uh, talked through a bunch of really good points. Uh, one of the things that he mentioned that I'm really uh, just being more aware of every day, though, is the fact that they kind of unabashedly released an unfinished product. Mm-hmm. Like, this is... It was version 1.0, and version 1.1 made it to where Nintendo couldn't read all of your Gmail emails. So, like, they're fixing everything as they go, and with the amount of server load and everything, it makes me very glad that they did, because they're having so much of a difficult time getting this all this technology stuff to work together without crashing. Wait, in you're this glad phase. that they released an unfinished version? Yeah, because okay. they, uh, what's the, the minimum viable product, I think is the term. So like you want to get something out there that is viable and that works and get all the bugs, can get rid of all the bugs. And once that's completely solid, then you start releasing higher and higher versions of them. Mm-hmm. And so I think in the future, we've got versions coming out that are going to, you know, let you trade and let you battle and let you do all these things that you can't do right now. Um, so I'm glad that they did what they're doing now because it is so buggy and so limited that I've kind of felt some of the growing pains of those. And I would much rather have these small growing pains now than have them try to release all this stuff at once and have it be crashing even more. Sure. Um, but it's been... It's been really fun, and I've gotten a lot better at turning on my Pokemon Go in the car and setting it in my passenger seat so that I can hatch eggs. Like, just remembering all these little tricks throughout the day. Okay, the hatch eggs, remember, you have to be going less than 12 miles an hour. I had no idea. Oh, yeah, so the I car thing, I thought it was, thing, thought it was less than dri- 30. No, it's less than 12. Yeah, less than 12. <sighs> oh, guys. Well, yeah, I think it's 12. Yeah, so it only works if, like, those moments when you're bike. like stopping at a stop sign, like like those few <laughs> seconds is Gosh, when that works. This is so helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I do want to address what you said, Lawson, about like the bugs and stuff. I, I don't feel the same way. I feel like I'm okay with this not having all of the features I want it to have, like the trading and like the battling your friends and mm-hmm. those things I'm willing to wait for. Mm-hmm. Um, but the lack of... You know, I I listened to some of our friends on the Badge podcast, and they talked about how the lack of server space at a launch is really, really frustrating for the app to be constantly crashing. Oh, and yeah. And things like that. I'm not saying, I don't think that's okay to, like, release a product that's, that's that buggy to start with. And I do have sympathy, like, you don't really know how big a, a release is going to be until it happens. You know, mm-hmm. you can try to predict it, but you never truly know. Um but I don't know. For a company as big as Nintendo, you would think that like they would have dedicated a little bit more resources to making sure it was a really smooth launch. Yeah, I think not I not that have... it mattered. It you know blew up anyway. Right. So. Right. <laughs> I think that I may have been trying to say two different things at the same time and convoluted them because right. what actually happens is I totally agree with what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Brent, what are your thoughts, dude? Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, like, last week when we talked, I think I was, like, the most effusive and joyful about this, and that's still the case. Uh, You know, a few different circumstances in my life have lined up that this app has just completely taken over, (laughs) Um, and so I have been having a blast with this. Um, I am on it all the time. I've, um, I've had a lot of fun, like, 
very quickly growing my Pokemon collection. I haven't really interacted with the gyms much at all yet. That's the one thing. I tried to do a battle and it did not work out, but um, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, it's, I've just been having a really, really good time with it. Um, one of the nice things is I work at a company where a lot of people are playing this and we have a really big office. So we have an entire uh, channel on Slack just dedicated to Pokemon Go. So throughout the day, people will ping on and suddenly be like, oh, there's a Poliwhirl down by the women's restroom or uh, give other little <laughs> like, details awesome. like that. It just makes it feel a lot more fun and feels like a lot of people are in on it together. So, uh, yeah, I think overall this game is probably a lot more fun in a big city than it is like in a rural area. Just because yeah. I've even seen things online about like just how many more Pokemon we get and how many more Pokestops there are and that kind of thing. Um, but living in Chicago, riding the trains, it's a blast. Uh, just the other day, I um, hopped off the train and there was just like a Porygon waiting <gasps> for me. Just kind of appeared out of nowhere, which was like a delight. Because um, I guess that's kind of one of the rare ones, at least in Chicago. Um, but this just continually is a game that like brings a lot of fun and a lot of surprises. And I'm having a good time with it. A city with mass transit feels like the perfect place to play <laughs> Pokemon Go. Because you can just be on to it while you're on the train. And then walk. <laughs> yeah. Stupid commuter town that I live in. <laughs> Oh. So on the on on kind of the note of kind of that that community, um, I I was driving by um, a cemetery yesterday actually, and there was a funeral going on, and a little ways away there was actually uh, a gym at, on the cemetery grounds, and there was a group of people just kind of hanging out at the gym playing Pokemon. So I was I was kind of curious, and a couple of people actually mentioned this um, is like what like. Is that inappropriate? And like, are there places that they should like get rid of gyms, like cemeteries or like the uh, the Holocaust Museum and places like that where people are, you know, a, I guess a, l a little more sober, a little more contemplative, and then you have these kids running around having the time of their lives and celebrating, you know, Pokemon. Yeah, I think Ryan Self, our friend Ryan Self, was one of the people that reached out to us on Twitter about this same topic. Um, I have like feelings that are probably not the standard feelings about this. You know, a lot of people are saying like Arlington National Cemetery, I think put out a notice asking people to stop coming for Pokemon reasons, even though it is Pokemon reasons. That's just like a thing that exists now. And <laughs> people give. <laughs> right. And then, and then, yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, Auschwitz, Auschwitz and was it the Anne Frank house? I think maybe is also one of the yeah. two or both. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, Here's the thing, guys. I kind of think that, like, I'm not bothered by this. I I feel like, of course, people should use common decency and sense. And that if they're going to these, these places to, like, make your behavior be very respectful. Like, obviously, don't be, like, screaming and shouting and, like, running around um, if, you're, if you're at a cemetery, you know? Um, yeah. But I don't think the presence of like these stops at these places and people going to these places for this reason bothers me at all. To me, it's like, I understand. I feel like I can really understand. Like if I was talking to uh, a parent or grandparent and they're like, it's just disrespectful. I could be like, I see where you get that. But it kind of reminds me of, I feel like a couple years ago, there was somebody who posted like a selfie at um, Auschwitz or something and mm -hmm. just got torn apart online. And there's something in me that says, like, yes, it's very important that people, when you go to a historical place like the Anne Frank House or some place like that, that you are there to take in the history and that you're there to, um, that you leave with a better appreciation for this part of humanity than what you came in with. But the ultimate hope with these kind of showings of some of the darkest parts of humanity, to me, 
is that later on you can get to a situation where there's a girl taking a selfie of herself outside. Like somebody's able to uh, be in a position where they are just liking how they look and they're taking a picture and they're happy to be there and they're happy about the world that they're in no matter where they are. And that's kind of how I feel with this uh, Pokemon Go thing and maybe that's too... uh, I I don't know. Just right. Have you guys seen like The Fault in Our Stars or read The Fault in Our Stars? Yeah. Like whenever they kiss in the that museum i don't know maybe that's maybe i'm equating things of way too different of uh, worth here but i just feel like there's positivity in this and an element of fun and like i'm i'm for that but then again i'm always a person to make jokes about celebrity deaths way too soon so maybe i shouldn't say anything well here here's my thinking is that as long as your behavior is it impacting the experiences of other people around you? Sure. Then what does it matter why you're there? It, I guess is my thought process. Mm. And then also, in the instance of Pokemon Go, I feel like, I don't know if this is actually one of the objectives of the app, but one of the causes, things that's happening is that it's getting people to see parts of their cities that they might not have seen normally. And so if you're, if you go... To Arlington National Cemetery because there's a Pokestop there. And then you happen to, like, spend more time there and, like, learn something while you're there. That sounds like a win-win situation to me. I saw a tweet that I thought was so perfect. It was, uh, it said, adults before Pokemon Go. People don't spend much time enough time outside. And it said, adults after Pokemon Go. People don't spend uh, time outside the way I want them to. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so, like, again, I think you should be aware of, like, your behavior and how it impacts the people around you. But other than that, I don't see why people would get upset. How do you feel about this, Lucas or Brent? Uh, I will absolutely be one of the grumpy folks t- saying get off of my Arlington Cemetery lawn. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I tend to kind of I side with those institutions. Um, in particular, like, I just think giving them the opportunity to consent or whatever the, you know, to opt in is really important. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess the original map was created based off this game, Ingress, that came out a few years ago. Um, that was all completely user generated. So like yeah. the people who were playing the game were the ones who selected the location. So there was, it sounds like there wasn't really a process of like allowing institutions to opt in or opt out. Um, so that's my big thing is like, I just want these people to have a little more authority over like, do we want this to be a place where people gather to play Pokemon Go or not? Um, cause I tend to think that, yeah, a place like Arlington National Cemetery, um, ideally like is not, um, well suited for this. Right. Yeah. There, you know, that like, so obviously a lot of places have like, um, taken advantage of this opportunity and you know um, like certain churches and stuff have jumped on this there was a great uh, article on Huffington Post this week about how uh, churches can take advantage of the new traffic from Pokemon Go written by none other than our very own Sandra I so read that sure too that thank you guys <laughs> yeah that was very exciting but yeah in general I just I think that um, there are certain places maybe where it's less appropriate to play something like Pokemon Go um, and I think that businesses or institutions, museums, whatever they are, should um, should have a pretty easy process to opt out because then they're not the bad guy either. It's not like they're actively telling people not to come. It's just because they're not a Pokestop anymore, then people naturally are not going to come to play Pokemon there. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Brent, especially because I've heard of some people, one of our, you know, Lucas included, saying that their houses are, are gyms or Pokestops. And when it's your personal home, especially, like, I would understand completely the need to, like, remove that from the game. Lucas, have you had 
experiences with people like coming by your house a lot because your yeah. house is a gym? Yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that's honestly how I got started in this was just people outside on the sidewalk, just, uh, hanging out at my gym. Um, and since then I've gotten, I've got it actually removed. It had, it had my house labeled as a, um, as like part of this park that's behind my house. Oh, okay. Um, and so basically, yeah, the, the, the process wasn't the process to get it moved, um, wasn't super difficult, but it also wasn't super easy either. Sure. So I've, I, I feel like if they, if they kind of elevated that part of their website that, uh, you know, if, if you are needing to get it removed for a reason that, that that's really simple and easy to do. Um, and at that point I feel like I'd be okay with, um, with, with some of those sites that, that don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. Just, 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 just remove yourself from the game. Sure. Um, and that, that's fine. But I also feel like it's, it's the respect factor as well. Like if you're if you're playing if you're playing in these spots, um, there's a lot of people there that are not there for Pokemon Go, and so just yeah. you know keep that under consideration. Totally, and I think I think consent is like a great frame for this, especially with something that got this huge. Yeah, you know, like yeah. if it's something where it's this small thing that certain people are doing, and you know, you can be off in the corner and making your own choice as long as you're not being disrespectful to other people fine but if it's something like this that's this huge international like like is dominating the conversation and so many people are spending time with it i definitely see like you as a business or as a uh, historical landmark should be able to opt out sure especially because i don't know if y'all heard about i think it was last night um there was a stampede in central park because like a yeah super, i was just pulling this up yeah, Ginger, i saw that a super super rare pokemon showed up and just like masses and masses of people were was it like, like a mew what was vaporeon. it do you know what it, it was, was a vaporeon which you know like in cities with a ton of evs that's not even a very rare pokemon yeah so i guess maybe it is in new um, york oh i do need to bring up last week i was very negative about this game and <laughs> immediately after recording i re-downloaded it and i'm full in now like my boss <laughs> at work is also very into it and that's been really fun because she and i at lunch every single day this week have gone on like long pokemon walks um and we're having a blast with it we awesome. have two pokestops in our office so we just kind of like go from one to the other refilling and um <laughs> i'm full in i eat crow <laughs> okay so like before we move on to um the next part of news do we want to do like an update on uh pokedex Oh, we're doing a Pokedex update? Yeah, and Pokedex level. update. I've got 58 in my Pokedex. I am a level 15 trainer, and I'm on Team Mystic. Damn. Whatever. Okay, I have caught 45. I'm a level 10 on Team Mystic, and I haven't been to a gym yet, so that's I'm a little scared. I need That's my next step. <laughs> I haven't been to a gym either. I have caught 35, and I'm at level 9, and I'm also on Team Mystic. I've got 29, and I'm on level 8, and I'm also on Team Mystic. <laughs> I'm bad at this game. I'm so bad at this game. <laughs> no, Lucas, you did the most important thing of all, which is make it sure that I'm not in last. Here's the thing, though. I do think that Brent and I have an advantage because when you have coworkers that are into it, it you get to spend part of your work day like playing with it a little bit, and that helps a lot. Yeah, also, I work in downtown Nashville, so there's a lot of Pokestops I could walk to, but I haven't had a full lunch break in weeks. Like, yeah. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Priorities, man, priorities. Okay, uh, let's see. Do we want to move on to um, Emmys? Sounds good. It. I just want to say yes, I'm glad y'all are all on my team. 
Oh yes, I'm Team Mystic. Team Mystic Blue. Yeah, without even coordinating it. I mean, I definitely I joined Team Mystic because y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for Pokemon Go to too many Pokemon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay, so this week we found out who was nominated for the 2016 Emmys. Um, let's just kind of really briefly. Was there any that y'all were really excited that they got a nomination? I can start off by saying, even though I haven't been watching the show, I've watched um, a little bit of the first season, I am very excited for uh, Tatiana Maslany to get a Best Actress nomination for Orphan Black. Because even in the little bit that I saw, the acting she's doing in that show is beyond anything else I've ever seen. And so I know that she's been, people have been vying for her to get nominated for a long time now. And I think the fact that she finally has is really exciting. Uh, I don't think this is her first. Oh, is she's been not? nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah, I think it's before. her first Emmy, as far as I know. Uh, no, she was nominated last year. Oh, okay. Well, great. Yeah. But even yeah. it still stands. I'm excited for her yes. because she's Agreed. amazing. One hundred percent agree. That that is that is one show that the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just impressed by how well she can she can do just playing so many different characters. It's yeah, incredible. So, I I would say one of the big things that I'm excited about is uh, Mr. Robot. Um, the USA show that that is kind of a it's about it's starting season two right now, but um, it it last year it felt kind of like it was just going to be kind of a, a quick summer show um, to kind of hold us over till the real TV hits, mm-hmm. um, but it was so great and compelling, and um, I'm glad that enough hype kind of hung around for the whole year to come around to where we can actually uh, see it in the nominations for the Emmys. Yeah, Lucas, I. I'm trying to f- find out. Do you know? Did it get nominated for best directing at all? No. The, yeah, it w- it was nominated for casting, um, writing, lead actor, and then drama series. Gotcha. Okay. So no direction, which is sad. Yeah. Um. I also wanted to say I'm really excited about um Thomas Middleditch getting a an acting nomination. I know, right? <laughs> he he is so impressive on Silicon Valley. Like. Of course, he's very funny, and that whole cast is very funny, but he's doing some really incredible acting, like, in addition to just being very funny on that, that um, a lot of times on comedies, you'll have, like, these, with the Emmys, you'll have these shows that are, like, drama comedies, and you'll get, like, a Best Actor nomination that's really just, like, they're doing a really great dramatic performance in a comedy, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, And this is a comedy performance that is amazing that also has this subtle, amazing, dramatic undertone to it. So I'm just very excited for him in general. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, One thing I I think I'm really excited to see um, are is kind of the breakdown by network. Um, HBO always ends up dominating um, the Emmy nominations. Um, This year, I think they have 94. But it's really cool to see FX um, kind of rising in in those ranks there. Yeah. Um, A lot lot of that helped by, you know, the People versus O.J. Simpson um, and Fargo this year. Um, and I, I think that, that they're they're one of my favorite networks to watch along with the CW, which did not get a lot of nominations. But no, sadly, <laughs> um, it didn't. No, but th- those those two uh, those two networks are are definitely ones that I, I I love to keep track of. And I'm glad FX is getting that that love this year. Yeah, I think you and Sandra talked about briefly about American Crime Story previously several weeks back, and since that conversation, I've been able to catch up with it, and it is so good. Yeah. I want it to win everything it's nominated for. I was so impressed by it. 
Yeah, I mean, it, truly, like, those acting nominations, I it's hard to, for me to imagine them not winning just because of how incredible they are. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I th- it feels like, I mean, obviously this is something that's come up a lot, but for me, looking through the nominations, kind of one of the big stories is just how ma- many online streaming sites are represented. And so you've got a ton of Netflix, a ton of Amazon Prime. Um, I was really excited to see Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt get represented just because that's a show that I have so much strong affection for. Sure. Um, and uh, yeah, other specific performances. Um, you've got Ellie Kemper and Titus uh, Burgess both. Um, so that's just like, I don't know, like I said, I mean, I think that's just a trend we're going to see growing and growing, but this especially feels like a year where you're seeing, um, online streaming sites and cable channels and not much of the networks. And I was also really excited to see Lemonade on the list as well. That made me really happy. Lemonade got like Mm -hmm. four different nominations, I think. How did I miss that? That's excellent. Because they're in the minor categories. They're Uh, not, you know, like most articles just cover like the major acting and, you know, drama and comedy categories. Get her that EGOT. Um, But yeah, that'll be really, really cool. Get her that EGOT. Totally agree. Um, Speaking of networks, though, really quickly, I also wanted to say... Um, Blackish got nominated for a best comedy series, and that was I was really happy to see that. That show yeah. is just so consistent and on you know a major network that's uh, you know not like a cable network, and so that that also I was really happy to see. Um, what about snubs? Are there anything? Is there anything that you were really bummed to see that didn't get recognized? There were no nominations for Mad Men this year. I was really upset about that. <laughs> None for Breaking Bad either. No Breaking Bad. Yeah. Although we did get Better Call Saul. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I would say it's it, it's not a snub, but it's one that I was kind of hoping that um, might might get enough attention to gain itself an Emmy, which didn't end up working out, um, is another FX show, um, You're the Worst. Yes, Lucas, um, I was just about a, to say that. Oh, were you? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fantastic you know, comedy drama, but it, this last season, it really kind of dove into, um, just kind of really an unflinching look at depression and, um, kind of what, what that looks like for, for someone, uh, living with it. And I, for, for, for a show like that, that is, that is definitely a comedy, um, to, to, to get into a topic that deep and that, um, that, that hard to talk about, I think was, was fantastic. And I definitely thought that it, it should have, uh, it should have gotten gotten some kind of love, but oh. I, I get why it didn't. But I, I hope enough people um, kind of realize how good that show is next year that we can we can get something for it. Mm-hmm. My wife and I just finished rewatching that for the second time. It's her favorite comedy right now, and it's it's so good. Yeah, it's That's so incredible. Definitely. It's brilliant, and I yeah, I just hope that it lasts for long enough <laughs> that people can like yeah start to realize what an incredible show it is, and that it can gain some like notoriety in like later years and similarly to kind of how mad men did you know um yeah yeah that, I'm, yeah. I'm always reading for that show um so, it's up it's up to us people I keep know. that show alive right you, <laughs> everyone you, listening go out and watch you gotta watch you're the worst it's one of the best shows yeah. on television um speaking of other shows that i think are the best on television i was a little bummed that crazy ex-girlfriend didn't get a, as much attention as i wish it had um, it did get nominated for Best Song for Settle For Me, but mm. I think Rachel Bloom should have gotten a Best Actress nomination. I also think that Donalyn Champlin, it's a shame that she did not get a Best Supporting Actress nomination. She is putting forth such a great performance on that show. And, like, su- the supporting acting nomination is always, oh, like, yeah. a weird 
role, like are they a supporting character? Are they a lead character? And this is just a perfect example of like what a great supporting character does. And mm-hmm. she's she's incredible in it. So I was really bummed about that. Yeah. It's it's peak TV, guys. We're living in peak TV. We, are. we can't uh, Golden <laughs> Age. Golden Age. Well, there there will never be enough uh nominations to go around right now. It's incredible. Okay. I have one last snub I before we move on. I don't know if y'all have other things to bring up, but um Timothy Simons on Veep is consistently just putting forth an incredible performance as Jonah. And oh. I, I, I'm behind on this season, but I've heard that this season is just like some of the best work he's done. And so Veep does get a lot of attention and it's hard. And the cast is so stellar that it's hard to spread around all that love. But he is someone that I wish could get recognized. Agreed. Veep actors were some of my favorite parts of the Ghostbuster movie. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there, okay. there's a transition. We'll get there, Lawson. Back off. <laughs> trying to help transition. <laughs> Is there any other any talk that we want to go through? Brent, do you have anything that you're excited or snubbed about? Snubbed about? That's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> the only other main one that I was excited to see was I love seeing Kate McKinnon uh, giving a nod for SNL. Um, Absolutely. She is just consistently one of the most delightful, fun parts of that show for me. Uh, but I also just love her getting highlighted because her particular style is just so off the wall and sometimes a little unapproachable. So I really like that she is getting recognized for the great work she's doing there. I really think that Emmy yep. nomination should have gone to Dan Aykroyd, but... <laughs> Ghostbusters was very important to my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, that being said, are we ready to talk about some Ghostbusters? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Ghostbusters this weekend. Um, for me, it was one of my most anticipated movies of the summer. Um, I don't know about y'all and how y'all were feeling about this going in, but I was very, very excited. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Paul Feig fan, and I'm an even bigger fan of the four leading actresses. Um, so how did y'all feel about seeing Ghostbusters? Didn't know whether or not I would be alone in this, but I was getting close to the time where I was going to see the movie and realized... Uh, I had never seen Ghostbusters all the way through, uh, one or two. I had the original. Seen th- yes, the original. Um, on television, I'd seen a couple of clips when it had, you know, aired on networks, but I'd never watched it start to finish, never without commercial breaks, etc. And so I thought to myself, you know, I should, I want to go into this movie without the burden of comparison. Maybe I'll, I'll probably want to go see uh, Ghostbusters uh, in the original in its entirety later and then I'll be able to watch it again and compare and do that later but I want to go into this as fresh as I can without having seen the original and so I did and I really really loved it it felt like such a fun movie um such a great adventure movie like it was genuinely like scary sometimes it was funny throughout the whole thing uh the leads were incredible I just my initial reactions were very very positive well, I just want to say Ghostbusters was not important to my childhood at all. <laughs> Mine either. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I, 
I, I saw Ghostbusters when I was a kid, and um, I think I've seen it probably once in the last, you know, maybe 10 years. Um, but I, I was really excited to kind of see what, what Paul Feig does. I'm a, I'm, I, I love his stuff. Um, I, I loved Spy. I liked Bridesmaids, and I thought the heat was good. <laughs> um, and so I've, yeah, I've never disliked anything he's done. So I, I was really excited to see this Ghostbusters movie, but I, I think because of the controversy it's been kind of put in really made me feel like this has to be a hit. Um, not so much. It has to be, you know, the greatest movie ever, but this has to make all the money in the world kind of a situation. Um, which I hate, I hate having to, I hate feeling that yeah. going into, going into a movie like this, that, like all of a sudden watching a Ghostbusters movie has to be like a political statement or something like well, that, which is just so stupid. And that like any other blockbuster can just like ma- be fun and make, you know, enough money. But right. this one with yeah. women has to make all the money and has to exactly. be like perfect uh, yeah. in order for it to be a success or not, yeah. a, you're not a failure. So I, I, I'm, I, I can just say now I'm going to have a hard time being down on this movie because of that. Like I definitely don't want to, I don't know. I I liked the movie. I I I th- I, th- I thought it was really funny. I thought there was some great stuff about it. Um, it is not a movie made for me, and I am a hundred percent okay with that. Um, but I I'll have more to say in a little bit. Okay. Initial thoughts. Initial thoughts. It was good, and I hope it makes all the money in the world. Basically. So. Brent, what about you? Yeah, you know, this is one of those movies that I'm just like so glad that it exists, and I was just really rooting for it so much. And I know it can be, it can sound kind of like patronizing to say I'm glad it exists, but I just had so much enthusiasm for it. I mean, I love Paul Feig. I love all three of his kind of big tentpole uh, spy and uh, the Heat and Bridesmaids, all three. Um, I love these four actresses. Um, I don't have a strong relationship to Ghostbusters. I saw it for the first time uh, about a week ago and um, did not connect with it well. I mean, I can definitely understand why it's a classic, but I really didn't connect with it. Uh, But I just thought this one, uh, I thought this film was um, enjoyable. To be honest, I didn't laugh aloud uh, nearly as much as I expected that I might. Um, I enjoyed seeing the women interact with each other. I love the aesthetic of the film for everything from, you know, Kate McKinnon's kind of Doc Brown look to the look of their uh, hearse Ghostbusters car to um, even just kind of the way that the ghosts and the um, kind of plasma beams and everything were stylized. I thought that was also great. Um, Yeah. So overall, the actual experience of watching it did not keep me kind of gripped as much as I thought. Uh, I was not laughing as hard as I expected, but I still just, I loved the fact that it was happening. I was, I was having a lot of fun with it and I was uh, pretty much on board from start to finish with it. Yeah. I, I agree with some of what you said, Brent. I, Went into this obviously incredibly excited, mostly because I love these four women so much, and I love the idea of all fem- as like major female casts. Um, and so I was, I had really high hopes for it and um, really high expectations. I went in and I had such a great time in this movie. I admit, like my biggest criticism of it is that I feel like at times the pacing is off. Um, I think rhythmically is the is like there are issues but other than that i think it's so fun i did laugh out loud a ton throughout it i love the humor um i love these four actresses and the performances that they're putting out brent i wholeheartedly agree with you that i love the visual aesthetic of this movie the everyone's costumes i adore the the i love the place um above 
I love the place that they're working. They had that amazing door in that like their workspace. The Chinese restaurant. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, I love yeah the car. I love the the ghost. I thought looked awesome. Um, so I I really had a lot of things that I enjoyed about this movie. But here my thought is. This isn't the best movie of the summer. This isn't, like, the most hilarious movie I've ever seen. But it's a great time. And that's all I needed it to be. Um, Yeah. I also want to say this doesn't really have much to do with, like, the quality of the film. But before this movie came out, there was a photo of... um, Kristen Wiig at the premiere. And y'all may have seen this online or you may not have. But there's, like several little girls at the premiere dressed as Ghostbusters so excited to see her and I guess she's like maybe signing things for them or taking pictures with them and one of the girls faces is just like filled (laughs) with like joy and like it's like she's seeing an angel when she looks at Kristen Wiig and I'm I'm getting emotional even just seeing like talking about that right now and every time I've seen I'm not exaggerating when I say that every time I've seen this picture I have cried um, <laughs> it, it really like I, I am tearing up right now it yeah. seeing yeah it's really beautiful <laughs> like seeing young women oh guys I'm sorry <laughs> seeing young women have role models for just like something as basic as just starring in an action film and like starring in a comedy action film is really, really powerful for me. And, um, it's the the fact that there are like nine and 10 year old girls who this is going to be like a normal thing for them is I think really, really important. And that doesn't have anything to do with how good or bad this film is, but just the fact that it exists it shouldn't be this important because it should just be normal, but it is this important. And I'm excited yeah, for a day when it doesn't evoke this response for me because it's such a normal thing. That, that, that was one thing that I, I, I definitely, definitely saw was like it during, um, one of, during one of, one of the action sequences when Kate, Kate McKinnon is just, um, I mean, killing it on stay on, on, on that screen. Um, I, I, I thought like there are so many people like boys and girls that are going to want to be her for Halloween. Absolutely. And, uh, and, that, and that is amazing. <laughs> that I know. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, not, not just a girl, not just a great girl character in a movie, but a, a girl in an action movie. Like, like that's, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, there were, I read one review and she talked, uh, this reviewer had talked about how when she was a kid, she dressed up as ghost as a ghostbuster for Halloween, you know? And yeah. I, I would really hope that there are boys this year that are dressing up as ghostbusters because of how great this movie is. That does yeah. lead me to say that like this movie, the humor is very broad and it's pretty safe. You know, Paul Feig normally has these like hard R rated movies. And this is a movie, it is rated PG 13. And maybe I'm a bad judge of this because I don't have kids, but I would take kids to see this movie. I think it was like a really great family fair. I was, uh, yeah, I was surprised. I was confused walking out of the theater. Cause I was trying to remember, like, I know there's a lot of gross out humor, but even that's just like ghost, uh, like ghost vomit. And so I was wondering if it was PG walking out of it, to be honest. I, 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 th- I think it's PG for the scariness of it. Like PG 13 some, for the scariness of it. Or sorry, sorry. Yeah. They're PG. I think it's PG 13 for the scariness of it. Like there are some scary parts in this movie. That is true. That I would, that I would not take a little kid to go see. Absolutely. But yeah, absolutely. Like thir- 13 yeah. years old. Absolutely. And this, yeah. 
I'm, I'm going to say one thing, and this is a slight spoiler, so I know we're not in spoiler territory, but it, it's just very slight. There is a queef joke in this movie, and some parents might be uncomfortable with their kids hearing the word queef, and I don't think they should be. And so that's my soapbox, <laughs> is that, like, if you're okay with fart jokes, you should be okay with queef jokes. And a spoiler? I, I wouldn't say it's, I mean, it's like... I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a spoiler. I mean, I tend to think that, like, like spoiling jokes yeah. or the punchline so, of the joke kind yeah, of is a spoiler, true, yeah. but, we you can, know. Yeah, I don't know, but I don't think, I don't know, but anyway, I, I just we wanted to rant where about it that. Appears. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one more thing I do want to say about the gender of this film. I was really curious to hear how see how they would deal with it just because like so much of the buzz and so much of the story obviously with this was that this was an all female reboot. And I feel like two directions that they could have taken that would be either to kind of go all in and just make lots of jokes and acknowledge it left and right. Or to go the other route, which is just to spend absolutely no time explaining why it matters or that if it matters at all that these are female Ghostbusters instead of males. And I was pretty pleased that it seems like for the most part, they went the route of just saying, we don't have to spend any time justifying like these just happen to be right. female Ghostbusters. Um, and I w it was really refreshing because, yeah, I think it's it's just kind of nice to see um, there is no reason why they necessarily had to explain that. And so in spite of the controversy, they just let these actresses do their thing and let them be hilarious and really compelling and really great action stars all around. They're not going to address the con yeah, controversy. Yeah, so. I think they do a really good job of like writing the middle of those two spectrums. Like they don't outright address the sexism that's inherent and in, like this <laughs> uh, and like uh, that has been surrounding this film, but they do slight ways to address it and to address like the way women are treated. Um, and I can talk more about it that in spoilers, but I really liked yeah. the way that it was handled. Yeah, oh, while well, at the they... same time, there is a lot of like female specific humor, things like the yeah. joke that you mentioned that like you wouldn't necessarily get from a, a movie that was all about dudes. Exactly. But that it's not like just girl humor. Like it's right. just, it's just the right balance. Right. Yeah. There were also some things that they avoided. I didn't think about this, but whenever we walked out of the movie, my wife uh, said like, I loved how no one in that movie looked like uh or none of the leads really looked like i don't know san francisco or not sorry that's not it no none of the leads coming for you lucas coming for <laughs> yeah, you yeah seriously jeez none of them looked like they had a gym at their house um no <laughs> no one uh looked like la models or something and that no one at any point in that movie talked about like body image or weight or any of that stuff it was exactly like how those lead characters would be if they had been male in that respect like so much a lot of times their looks were never addressed oh, well, ex never except, except for one punchline in which that like it was more yep. of a commentary on men than it was a commentary of women yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um so really refreshing in that sense yeah uh yeah i i also want to say i don't know how y'all felt about this but the action sequences in it for me like the big climatic climactic ac action sequence was really really fun and i appreciated that a lot for sure. I, yeah, I, I. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say I, I liked it a lot, and I, th I think he. Uh, I, th I think I think Paul Paul Feig did a really good job of um, kind of directing the action in Spy, and I think he kind of stepped it up a little bit and kind of took it to the next level here, which did a really fantastic job. Yeah, I will agree. You know, this movie really goes from like zero to a hundred towards the end when you get to that third act. It goes from like very small action sequences to just one that's huge and spans the whole city. And when I saw that coming, I got a little anxious because normally films yeah. like that, yeah. when, when they go that direction, I just get really bored with the action. I get bored when I see that it's going to be this huge epic action. But uh, this had me enthralled the whole time. I never got bored even once. I could feel myself kind of trying to go there like, uh, this is getting really big. 
big and really yeah. kind of slapsticky. Uh, but I was I was hooked and I was really entertained the whole the whole last third act. I knew exactly what was going on. I knew who was where, and I had a lot of fun with it. He did such a great job of keeping humor within all of those action sequences like they were fun Mm -hmm. rad action sequences that also had humor sprinkled throughout them so like that was really impressive to me yeah 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 one of the other things i wanted to say about this movie being uh like really pg-13 i felt like even the 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 villain character in this was very like digestible for kids it's like yes totally like he's a bad guy and like the Justific- the reason why he his motivation for his actions is very two-dimensional and all that stuff but it's very easy to be like if you're not near somebody who's staring in a mirror saying maniacal things then people are good but that guy's bad <laughs> yeah and it, and it never gets too like creepy or gory with like the things that he does as a villain you know right. like yeah. it's we're not talking about like the joker from the batman or anything <laughs> right 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 i do I, I do think like the villain aspect of it was for me a little boring is that there, you know, there, there is a human villain in this movie. And, um, you know, that, that to me felt like, Oh, okay. Every time we, every time we cut to, you know, his maniacal plan, he, he is the traditional like mustache twirling, like bad guy. Like there's no, obviously no nuance or anything like that, which I think is, I guess fine for a kid, but I just felt like I wanted a little bit more out of, out of him. And, you know, one of the other problems I kind of had with this is that in my mind, some of the worst kind of superhero movies are the kind where you basically like for the first or second third of the movie, you have essentially two films, one in which you have the origin story for the superhero and then one in which you have an entirely separate origin story for the villain. And it feels like they don't overlap at all. And it just kind of felt like this uh, this followed a similar track where you just occasionally cut away and had scenes with this other guy. I will say when he's very first introduced, though, like the very first scene where he shows up. The fact that that character and that introduction turned into being the villain, I was like, oh, that's really fascinating. I thought that was just a New York moment. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Before we head into spoiler territory, I just have to rave a little bit about how incredible Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon are in this movie. Um, I thought they were so ridiculously funny and Kate McKinnon especially, let me just take 30 seconds. This doesn't have anything to do with the film, but just as, well, I mean, kind of has something to do with the film. (laughs) Kate McKinnon is so damn hot in this movie. She is so attractive. (laughs) Everything she's wearing, I just am so taken with her. And so... That's all I have to say. It's just that she's crazy, crazy hot and yeah, so Yeah, I feel like in funny. a lot of ways, this is kind of the ideal Kate McKinnon role. I mean, oh, in yeah. some ways, like I was saying earlier, it, her lines never quite landed like I hoped they would. And I think that was more of a, a problem with the writing and the editing than it was her performance. But just everything about the way she looked and the way she was dressed and the way she carried herself and used her body and her physicality and the way she delivered her lines was just like perfect. I don't know if she'll I don't know if she'll ever be like headlining comedy films. I think she has the chops, but I mean, I think she's really perfect for these kind of like ensemble roles where she can just be really weird yeah absolutely i i do feel like this is not her her best work um i i feel like that could be a good thing i feel like there's a lot more to come from her and i'm really excited to see what it is but i feel like with with all the stuff that she's done on snl if people if people have seen that i feel like you're going to be underwhelmed by by the amount of i guess crazy and funny that she gets in this movie but if this is your first time Seeing her, it's 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 a blast. It's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. But I do feel like she's she's done better, more hilarious stuff on SNL. And I don't think it's her fault. I think it's just not a lot of writing for her. But I think she uses 
uh, she uses what she's given fantastically. So I was, I don't know what y'all, I was laughing constantly with her, like just constant. So I just wanted to throw that out just for anyone who was on the fence. I thought she was just really, really funny. Yeah. I laughed out loud at several points in this movie. Um, is there anything else we want to say before we move on to spoilers? I would say go see this movie. Yes, go see this movie. Yes. It's great on the big screen, and it's great to see with crowds. So if you can go to, like, a Friday night showing, go do it, because I think comedies like this are best experienced with a lot of loud laughter. I saw this movie in 3D. I got to say, like, I would actually recommend it. It's rare that I do. We had to, but I saw it in 3D. There's a lot of great, like, moments where it jumps out at you, and it's a ton oh, of fun. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some Ghostbusters spoilers. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Are you paying attention? It's your last chance to walk away. Let me tell you what's going to happen. No, cracking gas. Spoilers. Remember, you wanted this. So, um, one thing I wanted to bring up in the spoiler section is the use of male characters in this movie. I think it does a, such a great job of highlighting like, the issues of sexism that women face without, like, being too overt about it. Um, yeah. So, like, the villain, even though he never says anything specific about being a man, his, like, character type is very men's right activist. Very meninist. Yes. <laughs> um, which I thought was, like, really great to make as a villain. Um you even have, like, the mayor who's wanting to not give, like, these women any yeah, credit for great. all the work that they're doing and kind of take credit for himself. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you have, like, this... I love the mayor in Jaws line. That was so <laughs> yeah, funny. That was so great. <laughs> Just interject. Go ahead. Yeah, and then you have Chris Hemsworth as Kevin, who was also incredibly funny, um, wanting to, like... Just kind of assuming at the end that he was the reason that, that like, the ghosts were killed. Like, that he did, like, the, just a, just a complete assumption that it was him that caused it all. Uh, like, instead yeah. of the actual work of, like, the women surrounding him. So, like, those yeah. little moments where I don't think they were too overt about it, but they were just, like, letting us know, like, <laughs> oh, this is the struggles that women have to face when they do great work. Oh, Absolutely. I loved the YouTube comments that they that they read, which I which I, I would assume are YouTube comments from the trailer of this sure. <laughs> of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that was uh, a great nod. Um, yeah. One thing I didn't bring up in the other section because I wasn't sure if this was a spoiler or not, but I did think that the constant references to the original film got a little old and repetitive. Yeah, I wanted this movie to exist on its own terms so much more than what it did. And I felt like that was a lot of, that to me felt like the biggest studio meddling. Yeah. Was being like, we have to have all of these people here so that they're, they appear as kind of a sign of, they give their seal of approval for this movie. Like, no, this movie is great all by itself. Like, the, the original movies already exist and are already great and they're their own thing. Like, this movie needs to be its own thing. And I think that's where some of the criticism that's uh, come to this movie after reviews is like, not only does this exist in the same world as the original Ghostbusters. I don't think it does exist. Well, no, in not the like world. the universe, but like uh, this movie d wasn't released into a vacuum. Like there okay. was a previous version, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Not only is that, but they're also making all these references back to this other movie. Like, so of course I have to compare it. And right. I, and I think that's dumb. Like, I understand why someone would think that, like, I need to do that, but like, I don't think they should be compared. I think they should be separate entities and like they can both exist and both be great. And it bums me out that the previous K 
characters were in there so much as these things where it's like if you didn't see the original that you probably won't even get. I mean, I feel well, like no, I I think you will get. I, did, I, I think yeah. you'll get that it's a reference. Because like like if, if you yeah, you'll you, you'll you'll understand that a reference is happening and it won't make sense to no, you, which I think is annoying. I yeah. see as someone who didn't see the original, I got all the references. Like I or at least I feel like I did. Yeah. I feel like I understood <laughs> all the references. I mean, a lot of the references were just to the stuff that was like the most ubiquitous parts of the original film that have become pop culture icons. Exactly. And yeah. so like for me, it wasn't that I didn't get the references. It's just that there were so many. And again, I think this movie does have a bit of a pacing issue. And so like mm-hmm. th- I think that they the references fell flat. Like they, none of those got any laughs in my theater. Well, like because, Bill Murray's whole arc didn't need to be there at all. I mean, that didn't bother me as much. It's just like the one the one off lines that were like references. Like I think at one point one of the characters kind of throws out like I ain't afraid of no ghosts in like a a weird way that like doesn't really make any sense and it's obviously just to like be a reference. Mm-hmm. And there are several of those throughout the film that. They didn't get laughs because the pacing was weird and there were so many of them. There was one guy in the theater I was in behind me wearing a Ghostbusters t-shirt. Aww. Like, there's a guy in my theater wearing a Ghostbusters t-shirt. Hey. He laughed at those Aww. lines. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, Ben Aykroyd isn't afraid of no ghosts. That's so true. Right. <laughs> um, I think I think a lot of that has to do, like, like you said, with pacing. And I, I really think, I think Paul Feig is bad at editing his jokes like i just think totally like the the way the movie is edited around a lot of these jokes um it's just so loose and it it, it just could have been a lot tighter this, this movie could have been i think 20 minutes shorter that's probably true um, I, I i i just think he needs to just tighten in on the story that he wants to tell um and not have it be a joke factory um i just think like a, a lot of the jokes could have been funnity funnity, funnity. <laughs> Jeez. I, I i think these i think these jokes could have been funnier um if they'd just been edited better yeah you know there's a moment um in the restaurant where they kind of have their home base where there's just like this kind of impromptu dance party uh that includes chris hemsworth and kristen wake uh, and somebody else who is it uh, uh leslie jones yes, starts leslie jones she starts it, it. And um, it was like fun to watch them dance, I guess. But I remember being annoyed that it felt like there wasn't any story that it was trying to tell. There wasn't really any like gag. Like I didn't know if the joke was going to yeah. be that like oh, yeah. Hemsworth that was a bad scene. dancer or what it was. It just felt like there was like this moment that just didn't really go anywhere. And that felt like one of those moments that was excessive that could have almost been trimmed as fun as it was. And uh, yeah, I think that's just kind of endemic to the film that it feels like there's a lot of moments that just go a little too long. I may push back on that a little bit. I'm I, going I, to too. I, I agree that that like that is perhaps an example of a place where there could have been some like shortening but the joke that i got out of that was that kristen wig like kept trying to dance with crimson Chris yeah Hemsworth she can't like was over. stay away from him yeah i i, I thought that scene was really okay. incredibly funny okay. and so i loved it um but i do think overall this movie could have been tighter and there were so many parts that i felt like the joke was good but because of the pacing, like it didn't get the laugh it deserved in the in the theater. Like I thought the joke was funny, but I didn't hear the laugh I wanted to hear from it. I felt the same. I felt like probably people on set were laughing more than the people in the theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing I want to talk about was there was an interesting article on Slash Film that was called uh, "Ghostbusters: Jillian Holtzman and the Not Quite Gay Characters of Summer 2016." Uh, and what the article talks about is, you know, it highlights a few different films, Finding Dory and uh, Independence Day Resurgence and a couple others, and obviously Ghostbusters, that have characters who can easily be read as gay or maybe are intended to be read as gay, but it's an extremely subtle, even like 
um, easy to um, miss kind of ways. And so like you have the the lesbian couple in Finding Dory, and then you've got a same-sex couple. I think they're men and Independence Day Resurgence, which I haven't seen. You know, so watching uh, Ghostbusters, it feels like definitely you're supposed to read... Um, it feels like you're supposed to read uh, Holtzman as some as queer, and I think that um, Feig has heavily implied this in interviews. Uh, but it did. Uh, uh, but I'm curious, kind of, yeah. how y'all read that. Uh, she makes some eyes at uh, at Chris Hemsworth a couple times that that oh, made me think otherwise. I don't think so. I mean, I didn't feel oh, that really? way. No, I feel. I feel like the- she, to me, I feel like she reads as a very gay character. I saw some interview that talked about her, uh, Kate McKinnon, as being like this almost like pansexual unicorn or something. I can't remember the phrase they use, but just talking about how she loves everyone around her and she expresses <laughs> that to so many people. Um, and she is just such like an electric, absorbing kind of person that people are always just um, really yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of like infatuated with her. But yeah, so I it was just a curious article talking. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. In some ways, I think it's like inevitable that... Um, this is kind of gently how to introduce LGBT characters is it is just very subtle and it's not like a major plot point that they're gay. On the other hand, it does feel frustrating that they're kind of snuck in and you almost kind of want to see like these characters be able to like fully be themselves and in the ways that they are suppressed and, um, kind of, um, kept a little more quiet. That definitely feels more like studio intervention to me than anything else, more than it feels like the writing or even the performance of the direction or anything. Yeah, so even in this film, it was curious kind of to see there were like lots of subtle hints and little ways that like suggested that she wasn't entirely straight, but um, but like right. you never saw that really flourish into anything. You never saw um, anything more than just kind of small suggestions or little hints that you could potentially pick up. Yeah, normally yeah. I would totally agree with you, Brent. Like I want... I normally I want it to be as clear as possible and like and out as possible. Um, in this movie, it didn't bother me as much because there wasn't any romantic plot line in it. You know, there wasn't like yeah. this big like hetero romantic plot line, and then you just have like Kate McKinnon like maybe she's gay. You know, um, like this movie <laughs> wasn't about romance at all, so that didn't bother me as much that it was never addressed one way or the other. Um, and so. My reading of it was that, like, I read her character, it's like, pretty, pretty, like, pretty gay. And then I also read, like, the Abby, Melissa McCarthy character as probably gay as well, although that wasn't, like, as explicit to me. Um, Yeah. And so, like, that, I thought those, to me, it hit a great balance um, because there wasn't, other than, like, Kristen Wiig just finding Chris Hemsworth attractive, which wasn't right. as much of a romantic plot line as just, like, a funny gag. Oh, yeah, just something um, that I will assume is just kind of, like, objective reality that, like, he is a beautiful person. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, he's so, like, so much of a specimen that it wasn't even, like, I'm falling in love with our dumb secretary. It's as much as, like, I can't no, believe yeah. this guy looks right. like this. I have an appreciation <laughs> for Da Vinci's Vitruvian Man. Right. And standing right. in front of me. Yeah, so, again, it... It didn't bother me in this film because that wasn't the point of this film. Um, But I also, yeah, I just loved it. I loved the portrayals of all the characters. And so I may be too like gung ho about everything in this movie, except for the pacing. But that's how I felt. You're allowed to have your own feelings about this movie, Sandra. (laughs) No problem. Thank you, you, Lucas. I appreciate that. It was really interesting seeing this and hearing all the talk that had gone about it and swirled and all the dumb stuff about this being this hugely important franchise because this movie struck me as just a really fun movie. Yeah. Like, so the idea of this being, like, this 
franchise doesn't feel important in any way. And so the fact that it was really, really fun and that they were able to, you know, do this new spin on it with these new amazing, t- amazingly talented actresses, all for it. I'm very confused by the huge amount of import that people seem to place onto it and attribute all of their frustrations to, um, probably because it was just an attempt to hide their sexism. But, like, whatever it is, uh, it was Not a- much of an attempt, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, it's just seeing this movie it cut through that veil so easily it's like this is a fun movie if you're trying to say that this is some like this is star wars and it has had cultural ramifications for all this stuff and it needs to be held with some kind of like you know esteem esteem like no this is a movie where people get covered in slime and it's a great time and this movie is very much of that same cloth this is definitely a movie that i want to watch like multiple times um, just because I think it's just like a fun thing to have on. It really does lend itself to rewatching. Yeah. I agree. I will probably see it again. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other Ghostbusters thoughts before we end the episode? Yeah, I just had to say, I just feel like there's this really wonderful, iconic moment. The first time they get out of the car and they all like suit up and they're wearing the costumes for the first time. To me, that's like maybe the shot of the summer. Yeah. It's just such a great moment. For yep. me, the shot of Kate McKinnon's like star oh, yeah, moment in that fight sequence, yeah. licking the guns yep. and like kicking ass is just the highlight of the whole thing for me agreed same so so i think i think i think overall we uh we recommend this movie very much so absolutely well cool if this movie ruined your childhood you probably need to reevaluate your childhood (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um before we completely wrap up and say um goodbye to y'all i do want to say that this episode is being released on lawson's birthday so happy Happy birthday birthday, Lawson. lawson Oh, thanks, guys. We're glad that you were born and that you're part of this podcast. Thanks, y'all. Yeah. I'm glad I was born, too. All right. (laughs) So let's wrap up and say who we are and where you can find us online. Lawson, as the birthday boy, you get to go first. All right. If you want to wish me happy birthday. (laughs) Yes. Go wish Lawson happy birthday today. Uh, No, thank you. Uh, (laughs) um, You can find me at Lawson West on most social platforms. If that name isn't registered, I'm not on it. I'm Lucas Wright. You can find me on Twitter at Lucas and Stuff. I, I didn't end that sentence with a period. Um. <laughs> uh, my name is Brent Bailey. You can find me most places at B-R-P-A-B-A. And I'm Sandra Omstutz. You can find me on all social platforms at Sandra Omstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And make sure to go follow our podcast Twitter account at Feeling It Pod. We love hearing from y'all. Um, what you thought about the episode, any points you want to make about anything you, you talked we talked about. So feel free to keep the conversation going. Thanks. Definitely. Bye. Bye. Adios. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 